Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist and I'd like to welcome you to episode 71 of Compliance Into the Weeds, a podcast where with my good friend and colleague Matt Kelly, founder and editor of Radical Compliance, we take a deep dive into the weeds of a compliance or compliance related issue. Today we take this uh, concept to a new high where we go meta. Uh, And our podcast today is about an earlier podcast that Matt posted on Radical Compliance this week of an interview he did with Paul Sobel, the incoming head of the COSO committee. It is a fascinating way to uh, take a look at the issues around COSO, and we really use it as the start of an exploration about the COSO frameworks, the internal controls framework, the ERM framework, how they can be used in a variety of ways, and how they can be used with other guidance as well. We consider the tactical and strategic use of COSO frameworks and how the compliance practitioner can put them into play in compliance. We also consider the board of directors' role and how they can use the ERM framework. We had a lot of fun with this one, and I think you will enjoy it and get a lot out of it. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist. Compliance Into the Weeds is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back with my good friend and colleague, Matt Kelly, for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds, the podcast where we take a deep dive into a compliance or compliance-related topic each week, literally going into the weeds to geek out. Well, today, we, uh, we take that to a new level as we go meta, and we actually podcast about a podcast, and I don't know how much more geeky you can get than that. But Matt had a great podcast this week over on his site, Radical Compliance, where he talked to the new COSO chairman, Paul Sobel. Uh, Paul is a practicing uh, CPA with um, Georgia Pacific and has recently uh, become the chairman with the retirement of Robert Hurth. And uh, Matt had a chance to sit down and visit with him, and it was a really fascinating podcast. And so I thought uh, I would interview Matt on his interview of Paul, but really use it as a starting point to uh, explore our joint um, appreciation of the COSO frameworks and how they can both be used in a variety of ways. So that with that incredibly long-winded introduction, Matt, welcome and uh, thanks for taking the time to visit today. You know, Tom, however geeky it is possible to be about internal control and compliance and podcasts, I trust you and I will find that way to do it. Well, great. So um, I guess maybe why don't you just set the table, Matt? Uh, tell us who Paul Sobel is, uh, what his new role is, and um, what your thoughts were uh, in interviewing him. Yeah, sure. So Paul Sobel, is um, his day job is to be head of internal audit for Georgia Pacific. I think his exact title over there is chief audit executive. Um, Paul has also for a long time been very active in the Institute of Internal Auditors, and I know he's on the board there, and I know he was chairman of the board as well for some period uh, a few years ago. So Paul is now also going to be the new chairman of COSO. COSO is that group of um, professional associations within the financial controls, uh, financial compliance and internal audit world. Um, that they come up with frameworks to help companies manage risk and to achieve certain objectives. Now, COSO does not set standards, but I think most people listening would probably know COSO most of all because it came up with a framework to achieve effective internal control that when SOX was passed in the mid-2000s and the Securities and Exchange Commission was coming up with guidance about how to fulfill SOX, they said you should use some sort of a framework to demonstrate 
internal control over financial reporting. That's Section 404 of SOX. And then the SEC looked around and said, use something like that COSO framework over there. So everybody had glommed on to COSO. And that is essentially what COSO does. It comes up with frameworks to help you achieve various goals. Um, the most famous ones now are the internal control framework that was overhauled and um, published again in 2013. And then the enterprise risk management framework that was overhauled and republished in 2017. And uh, Paul Sobel is going to come in now and be chairman now, probably, I think, for his term is three years. So uh, one of the things that struck me in the podcast, Matt, was that Paul really seemed to take a very practical approach. And perhaps that is because he's a practitioner and sees the value of the practical use of uh, the various COSO frameworks uh, as opposed to a more theoretical exercise. But he seemed to emphasize that there would be a fair amount of practical guidance, or at least he would try to, to push for more practical guidance for uh, the various frameworks going forward. Could you maybe expound upon that a little bit? Yeah, that, that's a very fair assessment uh, for a couple of different reasons. First, um, and I do think people listening will be pleased with Paul Sobel being chairman now because he is the first actual practitioner from the corporate world who's been running COSO in at least the 12 years or so that I've been keeping an eye on COSO. Um, the prior chairmen have all been very thoughtful people doing good work, but they either came from the consulting and kind of thought leadership world or they were academics. Um, so they spent a lot of time working on some really big projects that probably needed the big thinkers of the world. Um, the COSO overhaul of internal control and ERM, they were both heavy lifting multi-year projects that you needed to think through, how could this be adaptable for any corporate world, any corporate environment, any corporate executive who picks it up? Um, and that was easily from 2007 or so up until 2017. That was the job of COSO. That's done. Enter Paul Sobel. And you know, really, I don't think there are too many other big projects that would need to be done, even if Paul did have the appetite for them. Um, because really, how much more is the business world going to change between now and, say, 2025? I don't think it's going to change too much, certainly not compared to 2003 to 2015. Um, so Paul is thinking much more about how do we really help people put the COSO frameworks to good practical use. Um, you've seen snippets of that from time to time. In the last 10 years, COSO would put out some very good guidance around, say, fraud risk and how could you use some of its big frameworks and some of its big thought leadership specifically to manage fraud at a real company. Um, now, I think you're going to see that a bit more about how to put these frameworks to good use right away within the next couple of months. We should see some guidance of, that's more like a compendium of practical examples of how to use the ERM framework for enterprise risk management. Uh, what I did find intriguing was that Paul also said he is open to providing more guidance along those lines of specific examples of how to use the internal control framework, um, I presume for SOX compliance, but maybe for other things as well. Um, and I found that was interesting because clearly there are other voices in Washington these days who want to dial back the pressure around SOX compliance. Um, and what Paul seems to be talking about 
fits in with that. Now, that's my interpretation. That is not what he said. He did not even say that this is definitely coming. But he did say he would entertain the idea that maybe we keep on doing small snippets of practical guidance so people can take COSO and use it. You know, I guess, Matt, my sense from listening to the podcast, and this is perhaps the the meta part, was that um, there was a maturity level now with certainly the 2013 internal control framework, but perhaps even uh, moving towards more maturity with the ERM framework. So it would be an appropriate point in time to put out some specific guidance. And that just uh, kind of in the in the way these projects work, where you have a very intellectually heavy lifting project to come out with a, a statement such as one of those two frameworks. And then as people become more familiar and more comfortable with them and try to implement them, the specific guidance comes out on how to uh, how to do so. So I kind of looked at it in that continuum. Did, did you get that sense or do you think uh, I'm just off base? No, I, I think that's that's quite right. Um, you know that we need these big foundational frameworks, and then after time, once they're done, and they are now done, um, you know they are very good. And if you actually sit down and read them and give them serious thought, you can pluck out some really good pieces of each of these frameworks to say, oh yeah, I see how this would actually work for say vendor risk management in cybersecurity. I sat down once and I actually read about that. Uh, there's a segment on IT general controls. And I was like, oh yeah, th- this works. Um, however, unless you really want to be that nerdy, and I do because I love this community so much, but unless you go full nerd, you know, th- it is hard to do. So I think if Paul is going to lead COSO to come up with stuff and uh, more useful guidance for only the half nerd, then we're in a good place. And uh, this is where he wants to go. So let me change the focus a little bit, because uh, in addition to listening to your podcast this morning to prepare for our podcast, I also listened to Michael Volkoff's podcast about the uh, Federal Reserve Bank sanctions against Wells Fargo and the Wells Fargo obligations uh, at the board level for compliance. Uh, It went down further than that, but it really started with the board. And then uh, in your uh, podcast, you talked about how companies should put the ERM framework into place and really emphasize the need for strong government, government, corporate governance, which is something that you talk about fairly often, to make sure that they're uh, using it at a strategic level and not a tactical level. How does uh, really all of that play in, uh, at least from your perspective? Well, see, I think this is where people should start to really pick up a couple of pieces of both frameworks and think this through. And, you know, actually, I like talking about it right now because um, these runaway executive tales that we've seen with Stephen Wynn, Harvey Weinstein, and uh, a few others, you know, in the the Me Too movement, um, they are tailor-made examples for how a board could sit down and say, how do we prevent this stuff? Because Steve Wynn and Harvey Weinstein, and I'm sure other executives, even back to financial statement fraud that we saw in Enron and WorldCom and whatnot, these were prolonged periods of misconduct that um, was done by this overweighted, larger-than-life sort of executive figure at these organizations. And boards want to prevent that. But it's not more like, how do we undo this mess now that we have it? They're all sitting around thinking, how do we make sure we never have that mess in the from the start? Well, this is talking about a disciplined approach to governance 
around leadership and around culture. That's exactly the problem that Wells Fargo had. That is exactly the problem that the Fed talked about with Wells when they slammed Wells Fargo a couple of weeks ago with that asset freeze. Um, And how can you use frameworks like this to build in that more rigorous approach to how organizations work at the strategic level, at that big culture and values level, and then you can take it down a bit and apply it more tactically. So maybe you would use the ERM framework for a lot of what I just said, and then the internal control framework for some of the more immediate challenges around cybersecurity, around um, effective financial reporting, um, possibly around, say, I don't know, better whistleblower um, mechanisms to encourage a speak up culture, things like that. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So there's going to be, I think, a lot of opportunity for that kind of um, inculcation of good behavior, good thinking. And I, I know that what I'm saying sounds nice. And then people are thinking, well, how do I actually do it? I think that's the sort of guidance we're going to see coming from COSO now as to how you actually do it in practice and give good examples. And that's what I'm looking for. So one of the things that struck me, though, Matt, was uh, uh, some dialogue in your podcast where uh, if boards are struggling with governance or sort of their overall role in compliance, that the ERM framework really gives them the way to to step back and self-assess the board's role, really separate and apart from the company's role. And what I had not fully appreciated was using that the board could use the ERM framework to really self-assess its role in a variety of areas, but specifically around compliance. Was that a fair assessment from your podcast? It, it is, yeah. And I think that, yeah, I, uh, like I said before, I think most boards, their heart is in the right place and occasionally even their brains are in the right place. But, you know, they are the prime movers of a large organization. So they don't really know how do we get started. We get started by assessing ourselves. Uh, how can we do that in a fashion that exists irrespective of the eight or nine or 10 specific board directors who are in the room. How do we organize that as a process for whatever board directors are going to show up in the coming years, that kind of thing. So you look at the uh, ERM framework, the very first component of it is governance and culture. If you look at the internal control framework, one of the very foundation uh, elements is the control environment which a lot of the principles there are very similar to the governance and culture principles in the ERM framework. And they're just about how you would think of this, how would you would design a system so that it works well, irrespective of the specific people who are overseeing it. And, you know, still encompasses, allows for a lot of the flexibility that large organizations are going to go through. You're going to go through a merger. You're going to go through a divestiture. You're going to go through some sort of market expansion and new things are going to come to you that you didn't really consider before. How do we digest them in a disciplined format in a way that is consistent with what we had done before? That's the sort of thing that these frameworks are good for, no matter what the subject. Um, And then I'm sure, Tom, you're going to ask me in a moment or two about some of the specifics there, but COSO clearly is already coming up with some specific guidance around real issues like sustainability and cybersecurity. And I think we're going to see more of those to to put it into practice and not just be a lot of deep thoughts that like I'm babbling on about now. <laughs> well, that actually was where I wanted to turn because the other thing that intrigued me was your discussion with Paul around uh, those two issues and how not uh, 
how the ERM framework could at least be considered as a framework for uh, handling both of those issues within an organization, really separate and apart with coming up with a, a different um, framework, but to really use the ERM framework and apply that to both sustainability issues and cybersecurity issues. Yeah. And so uh, there are, there's already some guidance from COSO around cybersecurity. It came out before the new ERM framework last summer. So I think it is tied a little bit more closely to the internal control framework, which, by the way, I am a fan of, uh, because I think if you pick apart some of the principles in the internal control framework and within each principle, there's another little sub-level of points of focus. Um, if you look at some of those, they get very specific about, does your company do this? Does your company have a plan to do that around IT controls and in financial reporting? Controls over your IT processes, processes are very important. It's like, well, they actually do fit for cybersecurity generally. Like, you can pull that out. Um, I think we'll see more cybersecurity guidance from COSO overall, and I think it'll be tied to the new ERM framework. Um, but they are also already in a new partnership with a group called the World, what is it exactly? World the Business World Council. Business Council for Sustainable Development. And they're coming up with guidance to apply the ERM framework to sustainability issues. Now, again, as Paul Sobel is always quick to say, he does not, COSO does not publish standards. So there is a sustainability accounting standards board out there. It is kind of self-appointed and it's coming up with its own sustainability standards. Let's say your board sees them or works with the World Business Council and says, all right, we want sustainability. Here are our objectives to achieve. How do we do that? And then you could look at the ERM framework and this new guidance that COSO is coming up with around sustainability to say, well, we can try these things here to achieve these sustainability objectives, and then everybody's happy, which is true because if you look at the big investor groups now, like uh, BlackRock and many others, they're really leaning on sustainability as something that they want to see. Um, so I know that those sustainability projects COSO is working on, they actually have some uh, proposals that are out for public comment through June. I think that they'd love it if anybody listening wanted to take a look at them and give some comment. But we'll see more things like that with more issues. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw it more around technology, uh, probably more guidance around fraud, always popular with COSO, uh, and more around cybersecurity and sustainability. Um, so, you know, that's the sort of stuff we will probably see coming. So, Matt, I thought it was really a fascinating interview, and it gave me pause to think about utilizing the COSO framework in a multitude of ways that I perhaps had not considered. Uh, also, where uh, COSO may go next in terms of its uh, more practical guidance that is certainly something that you and I will take a, a, a deep dive into the weeds on, but really help the uh, compliance internal controls practitioner. Um, and I'm going to have to think about all of that overlaid in terms of a uh, effort to uh, to modify or, or even uh, change SOX 404. But I guess my sense from uh, your interview with Paul was that uh, whatever happens in Washington, this practical guidance will really help uh, internal control specialists to um, more fully operationalize internal controls. 
Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that Paul keeps an eye on SOX compliance issues and what might be going on in Washington like anybody else. But um, what COSO does and what it puts out exists irrespective of any changes to 404. You know, you still need effective internal control, uh, if for no other reason than for things like anti-fraud or stronger IT security issues, which you need to have anti-fraud and IT security in place no matter what Washington says, so other people don't you know, fleece you blind. Uh, that's not really a regulatory risk that's being driven there. Um, so, you know, I think that uh, we're going to be in a good place here. And I, I do look forward to what COSO is going to do and put forward, because I, I think it will have a higher degree of relevance now than the, the great theoretical foundations that it had to get out first in the last couple of years. Well, Matt Kelly and I have been going meta today as we explored a podcast that Matt did on radical compliance of his interview with Paul Sobel, the new head of COSO, and we used it as a springboard to uh, explore how you might be able to use the COSO ERM framework and what may be coming out of COSO. So, Matt, I think we're going to have to go meta again some point in the future. All right, Tom. Take care. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. If you have listened to our podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate our podcast. It would help get the word out about the only weekly compliance podcast that takes a deep dive, literally going into the weeds to take a look at a compliance or compliance-related topic. Also, if you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. You can email Matt at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds, and I hope you will join us again next week where Matt Kelly and I take a deep dive into a compliance-related topic. Compliance Into the Weeds is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.